favorite sports podcast where two sports lovers sit and give their hot takes off, off the, the dome. dome. I am Redfish. And I'm Rebo Hustle. And we will be steering this ship today. Rebo Hustle, how we doing? You know, living life. Living life? Living, living life a great Larry. life. Um, before we get started, of course, we'd like to invite you to watch on all of our social medias. Off the underscore dome pod on X or Twitter, as formerly known as. Um, he called it X first. This is a first. This is a first indeed. I'm trying my best here. Um, but follow us on there. That's where we, you know, put out most of our content. It's where you'll find the link to our YouTube, which is probably where you're watching right now. So thank you for watching. Off the Dome Sports Podcast on YouTube. Off the underscore Dome Pod on the X. Um, and then, of course, you can always follow us on Facebook as well. Off the Dome Sports Podcast. While you're on Twitter, you might as well go follow uh, the best network there is to follow for sports news. And that is The No. At be in the know, follow the boys at the know. Of course, follow everyone associated with it: T- Dave, Patty, Justin, Saints UK, uh, our boy Chris with Gumbo Sports just joined on. So, tons of people, tons of good content, focusing on Louisiana sports, national sports, um, and just you know, having fun. It's what we do. So, of course, follow at be in the know. Follow us on all the socials, and uh, you will be well versed on all things sports. You know, Redfish. You always ask how we're doing. Mm-hmm. How are you doing? <sighs> hey, swimming. You know what I mean? Um, big week this week uh, in the uh, in the old school in the cool, oh. in the old school stratosphere. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, Sixty six days until I get my master's degree. So hello, hello indeed. Um, last thing before we get started. Uh, also, you can go listen to us on Spotify. We are on Spotify. Off the Gnome Sports Podcast, same logo as you see everywhere else. Nice gold logo. Uh, shout out to Patty who made that for us um, not too long after we joined the network. So very glad to have the people over there and very glad to be on Spotify now. It's a much easier listening experience if you know people can't tune in live. So I'm um, glad to be on there. I go back and listen to it sometimes and um, just, you know, all around, all around good fun. Um, you know what else was fun? Watching LSU win. I had a great time, especially in the second portion. half. Yeah, because I only watched the fourth quarter, so Correct. I had a great time. Yeah, you had a great time. And um, first comment um, that I would say about the game is that last week we talked about how you should never score 49 points in a football game and lose. And we scored 49 points in a football game and won. Imagine. Imagine that, scoring 49 points and winning. Uh, we go into Mizzou, into you know a pretty raucous atmosphere, I would say. Um, they had a good little crowd going, and we ended up winning 49-39. to um, lots of things to talk about with that game. Um, I do have, you know, a couple notes that I wanted to take down. Um, so why don't you just give me your overall feel and then we'll get into the specifics. So, I mean, we knew the offense was electric, uh, personally just watching basically the last eight minutes of the game. Um, I know that there was an offensive line substitution. I didn't even notice because I wasn't watching the game whenever it happened. Right. And... Yeah, there was a little bit more pressure than normal, but it was normal. And it also allowed for a 30-yard scamper for a touchdown. Yep. I don't know. Like it, it, The fact that we got a freshman starting playing center in the fourth quarter of SEC game and the offense isn't skipping a beat is uh, great to know that you have interior linemen that you can rely on. Um, all in all, defense is still questionable. Yeah, I'm sure we're going to get into that in a second, but yeah. uh, let's stay positive for now. Yeah, uh, staying positive for now. I mean, it's easy to talk positive when your offense is putting up 49 points two weeks in a row. Um, now, we knew Mizzou's defense wasn't spectacular. I mean, uh, they came into the matchup, you know, bottom 30 in FBS. Um, so, it, it's not like they were some fantastic defense. Um, but we still put up 49 points. Jaden Daniels, once again... Looked like a Heisman candidate level player. Um, he should be getting more recognition than he is. Time for a second as of now. Yeah, I mean, and I, you know, I do, I do have some some fun statistics about that. Um, if you want to go over those, I will uh, read you off some stats, and um, you tell me which player you would rather have. Um, so, player A has two thousand three hundred ninety-one total yards, nineteen sixty-nine of those being passing, nineteen passing touchdowns. 442 rushing yards and four rushing touchdowns. So that's that's player one. Player two has 1,946 total yards, 
Um, so that's, you know, roughly 450 less. Uh, 1,822 passing yards and 22 passing touchdowns. 124 rushing yards and six rushing touchdowns. So one has, you know, almost 2,400 total yards. The other has 1,900 total yards. One has 23 touchdowns. The other has 28 touchdowns. Um, and then strength of schedule-wise, one of them is has the third hardest schedule, and one of them has the 68th hardest schedule. Can would we you venture take, to say that one of them also plays in the Pac-12? I would venture to say. Because that de- that conference is known for, as my dad puts it, defense optional. True. And to say that an SEC quarterback in Jaden Daniels has better counting stats than Caleb Williams to this point, and, and we're midway through the SEC schedule, yep. um, faced a good Ole Miss team. I know their defense is also a little bit questionable with right. a long par, on par with LSU's, but Arkansas's defense isn't terrible, and... Florida State's defense certainly isn't terrible. Right. Like, we still, like, our worst game of the year was obviously Florida State. We put up 24 against them. Um, So, you know, that's not some huge measure. But Arkansas scored 20 on Ole Miss last week. Ole Miss only scored 27 on that Arkansas defense, a team that scored 55 on us. So, you're right about the defenses not, you know, while they're not the best defenses in the country, it's not like we're playing, like, middle schoolers. Um, so our offense is absolutely firing on all cylinders right now. Jaden Daniels is playing phenomenally, uh, completion percentage-wise, not turning the ball over that much. I mean, does he have turnovers? Yes, because he doesn't know how to slide, and it's still making me angry. Um, but the pick but numbers he, are down. It's, it's yeah, pick numbers brutal. are down. He's not he's not fumbling as much as someone in his position should. Um, Logan Diggs has been phenomenal out of the backfield, and not only do we have Logan Diggs, but we have three other running backs behind him that could start at other schools. Um, and then, of course, we have the combo of Malik Neighbors and BT Cruiser, Brian Thomas, um, who I have given my pro comparisons for that you did not like either one. However, stats for those two guys, by the way. Yeah. BT Cruiser leads the nation in touchdown receptions. Mm-hmm. Malik Neighbors, second in the country in receiving yards. Yeah. So, I mean, if you look at it from an LSU perspective, it's I'm not going to say either guy is as talented as, you know, Jamar Chase or Justin Jefferson. But we're back to having that one-two combo of receivers that it's hard for defenses to plan for both, especially when you have a quarterback who can run the ball, a running back who in between the tackles is punishing people, and then you still have other receivers too in the room who can contribute. Um, and we've seen that this year where, you know, if Kyron Lacey learns how to actually catch the ball, he Wait, plays When he really does well. catch the ball, it is amazing. Yeah, um, that's the only question. Uh, but, yeah, our offense, there's not much wrong you could say about our offense. Other than the questionable protection sometimes, we're not always 100% perfect on protection, but no offensive line is going to be. Um, so very impressive what our offense has done so far. All right, we've been we've been positive. Let's let's we got to talk about the defense. Can I have one more note of positive? Go for it, please. Jaden Daniels, SEC Player of the Week, and Emory Jones, Offensive Lineman, SEC Offensive Lineman of the Week. Hey, two great stats, dad. Two great awards to have in your And I think Jaden Daniels has won that three of the last four weeks, if I remember correctly. Wouldn't be surprised. So, um, yeah, huge, huge numbers for the LSU offense. Really, really impressed with what we're doing. But we do have to talk about the defense. Um, I remember after the first drive, my first note was run defense started hot. Because we did. Um, I thought, you know, Pete Jenkins coming back. 82-year-old Pete Jenkins. uh, Brian Kelly called him up. He's, you know, he's been around LSU his entire life. And he's like, hey, our defensive line stinks. We need help. He comes in, looks better um, to start the game. And then, of course, um, our DBs do what this year LSU DBs do and play the most uninspired version of defense I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. I mean, that's been the narrative. And, again, only watching the last eight minutes of the game. My biggest pluck on the defense this week was the question of secondary talent is acceptable. Like, you only yeah. have so many guys on your roster. Right. But with a front seven with names like Mason Smith, Makai Wingo, uh, Greg Penn, our Harold guy. Perkins. Harold Perkins. Our guy. Whit Weeks. Love Whit Weeks. Oh, do I love Whit Weeks. It's completely unacceptable for the opposing running back to average 8.8 yards per carry. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. 
I mean, the every level of the defense has to step it up. We dog on the DBs, and there's a reason for it. Um, I mean, it's just it, it, the talent is questionable for sure. Like, it's not like we can say, oh, we have a bunch of talented DBs and the coaching is terrible. But also, there has to be something going on in the coaching, in my opinion, because we're playing eight to ten yards off every single play. And yeah, not a fan. Yeah, they. I mean, they were killing us. Like, um, and you know, to and be fair, been, Mizzou's defense, too, Mizzou's though. wide receiver. I think his name is Burton. Is that his last name? Couldn't tell you still. Um, whatever his name was, he was killing us in the first half. I think he had like nine yards for uh, nine catches for 150 yards or something. Like absolutely burning us. However, in the second half, we did make adjustments, and we held him to basically non-existent in the second half. Um, you know, our first half defense, we allowed 25 points, which means Mizzou's on pace to score 50, which is almost as much as Ole Miss did. Uh, not looking great. However, second half, we did come out and played. Um, I think once Harold Perkins had that pick, the defense was like, oh, shoot, I forgot, like, we, we can. have momentum. Yeah, yeah like, they, it was like something clicked the second we got that pick. And, you know, we outscored them 42-17 to 17 in the game. Um, I mean, really, really impressive stuff out of the defense in the second half. And my opinion is, if we can hold teams to 14 points per half for the rest of the season, so allow 28 points per game for the rest of the season, we win every game. Because our offense is going to put up at least 28. Do I want our defense allowing 28 points every game, especially when we've got teams like Army and Georgia State on the schedule? No, I'd have a heart attack. However... Statistic-wise, it makes sense. Yeah. Um, so I am glad, while we can dog on the defense and say we need to get better, because we absolutely do, um, it's not a sustainable level of defense, um, I do. I am impressed with the adjustments that we made, and I think Matt House has got his seat a little bit safer. Um, I don't know if he was going to get fired midseason, but a lot of people were calling for it, including me sitting in this chair. So Yeah, I, w- I didn't take the defense... The defensive struggles to be that extreme. Um, I don't think Matt House's job was ever in question. It's just we're on our second year of having transfers out of smaller schools. We're on our first year of having, like, we had, what, 11 new guys in that cornerback room? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't much sustainability, I'll tell you that much. Safeties, we had, like, two or three come back, and unfortunately Greg Brooks, you know, he's not going to be playing football. Um Anytime soon, if ever again. So we'll we'll see where that goes with Greg Brooks. Um, still prayers up for him. Hopefully he gets better. Um, not only from a football perspective, but just as a human. Yes. Uh, hopefully he can recover well. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think we had like two guys come back, and you know, Sage Ryan's one of them, and we've seen him struggle so far. And other than that, I don't really like. I don't recognize most of the names. That's for sure. Yeah, and you get the highest rated transfer guy in the portal in mm-hmm. Denver's and personally I don't think he's been as bad as he's looked because the new rule of college football is the DB doesn't have to turn their head in order to not get pass interference I think that's punishing a lot of defensive backs in college football you're not seeing more interceptions just because they're not playing the ball they're playing the receiver and to it's almost like they rather have an incompletion than an interception, and I don't understand how you can't just play the ball. Yeah, it that brings me back to one question I did write down in my notes about coaching. Um, is Corey Raymond was here for a really long time. Yes. And he, we were very, very good with him as our DB coach. Um, so I don't know if it's talent. I don't know if it's coaching. But let me – I'm going to read you off some names that these players were drafted – while Corey Raymond was the coach. So, you know, I don't know if he was... I don't think he was there with Pat Pete because he got there in 2012. Pat Pete was drafted in 2011. But let me read you some names from the DB room. These are only picks from the first two rounds of the NFL draft. Okay, this is going to be great. Tyran Matthew, Jamal Adams, Tredavious White, Morris Claiborne, Eric Reed, Dante Jackson, Jalen Collins, Greedy Williams, Christian Fulton, Grant Delpick, Derek Stingley Jr. Those guys were all top two round picks while Corey Raymond was a coach at LSU. All huge NFL contributors. Every single one of them has been a starter at the NFL level for more than one season. Every single one of them. Um, And most of them have been starters their entire career, starting from their rookie season. Um, So it's not like... Obviously, we had talent. 
Like those guys yeah, are those very guys naturally were, talented. Were high recruits. Um, however, you have to think that coaching plays a part in it. Because if Denver Harris, who was a five-star recruit, number one guy in the transfer portal coming out of A&M, comes here, and he has Corey Raymond, I don't know if he ever sees the bench. And against Mizzou, he played like 50% of snaps. I I and question I I do question the coach to be a first round pick if exactly Corey Raymond that's what I'm saying um, I think one of the biggest mistakes we ever made was letting him go to Florida and that's my opinion I was also on Twitter um, I looked up my receipts because I wanted to make sure I put it out there um, I tweeted twice or on the X as someone say posted the X um, before we hired Matt House as DC I was like can we just make Corey Raymond our DC because he's proven he can train and develop and recruit. Can we make him our DC? Didn't happen. He's at Florida. Florida's DBs are one of the only good parts about their team right now. Um, I think they're like top 25 in pass defense. Uh, So it happens. But that being said, we have to be positive. We won the game. We're 4-2, and and we're going into a weekend against another Tiger team. Two weeks in a row we're playing against a team called the Tigers. It's not a surprise anymore. What? I said it's not a surprise anymore. We play Auburn every year. And two years ago, we got our first taste of Missouri. Yeah. And, um, well, I think it was three years ago. Three years ago, yeah. And then we lost. Um, Yeah, we don't talk about that year. Yeah, unfortunate. But every year, Auburn plays us close. I can't remember the last time we played an Auburn game where we, like, beat them very handedly. I feel like every year it's decided by a single score. Yeah, it's. I know it's not the big name Florida or Bama rivalry, but that game's known to be whoever's hosting the game is going to win the game by a touchdown or a and field goal. And that's that's what it feels like every year. Like, genuinely, that's what it feels like. Even our national championship season, I think that was the game that was decided by the least amount of points, if I remember correctly. I could be very wrong, but I think we won that game by like three, and we beat everyone else by at least seven. As a guy who's only ever gone to two LSU football games in his entire life, both of them being Auburn, both of them being in middle school, I this is personally my favorite game of the year. I think that these two teams get up on the on Auburn or LSU week, and you're just going to see a knockout, drag-out fight every time. Everybody's going to put the, their most effort into it. And so I'm, I'm honestly expecting – our defense to even look better than they have in the past this week. Just be I'm not saying that Auburn's a less talented team than Ole Miss or um, Missouri, but I just think that this is the game that gets everybody up in Louisiana. Yeah. And honestly, even from a fan perspective, it's like one of the most hospitable games. Like everybody walking around just goes, go Tigers, beat the Tigers. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that, I think that this is just a perfect game every year. And so I'm excited. Yeah, I'm I'm excited. I wish I could go because um, I do have tickets to every game. And by the way, didn't know you've only been to two games. I have. We'll 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 figure out how to change that by the end of the season. Georgia State. I'm sure people will be selling those tickets like it's wildfire. Um, but yeah, I'm excited for this game too. I think it's going to be a very close battle. It always is against Auburn. Um, we do get the advantage of it being home in Death Valley. Um, it will be a night game, which a night game in Death Valley is. As someone who's been to plenty of them over his, uh, you know, career at LSU, um, one of the most electric atmospheres I've ever been in, point blank period. Um, it, it, students get up for it, fans get up for it. It's always packed, it's always loud. So it's going to be a fun game, SEC matchup. Auburn is, you know, always going to give us a close battle. I think that this game is going to be. Um, I don't know if we're going to score forty nine points in this game. To be honest with you. Um, that's what are you laughing at? I'm just reading your notes over there, hey man. That's my notes, not yours. I'm waiting on you to say the next bullet point from the <laughs> notes. I was gonna do that as our last thing about LSU. Um, my question is the last thing about LSU. Well, second to last. <laughs> okay. Uh, forty. Uh, I don't know if we're gonna score forty nine <laughs> points on Auburn just because it's such a hard fought game every year, and I think they'll get up for it just as much as we do. I think what it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be the first half is gonna be a little bit more high energy, and it's gonna be very like score, score, score. And then that second half is going to be like Mizzou, where I think both teams will be like Mizzou, where you're fighting for every yard. I think both teams will make halftime adjustments because 
you've got Brian Kelly and Hugh Freeze, who, um, you know, hadn't really coached against each other until they haven't really coached against each other at all. They just, you know, started meeting each other at these new SEC meetings. And since they've both come back into the SEC, Brian Kelly, first time, Hugh Freeze used to coach at Ole Miss. Now he's back with Auburn. Um, I think it's going to be a lot. I think it's going to be a coaching battle in the second half. And I think whoever out coaches the other one's going to win the game. Um, the line is at 11 and a half. We checked before I'm taking Auburn plus 11 and a half. If I'm betting, I don't, I just don't see this being a game where it's decided by double digits. Um, but that being said, I'm going to take, uh, BK on the Bayou. I'm going to roll with, uh, LSU to score 31 points, Auburn to score 27. I hate when we do this. I know you do. Because I always have a number in my mind. And then I say it And first. you say one number below. And so I look like the idiot who's going to say Auburn 28, LSU 35. And here we are. Well, hey, man. As long as we both have LSU winning. That's all I care about. So I'll ask my question. And then you'll ask your question. And then we can move on. My question. First. Okay. Ten and a half is the line. I wouldn't bet it because... One that's going against my team, and two, you never know with this offense. No, like, they can put up, they can really put up forty nine this week. I'm not <laughs> going to bet it. If I were going to bet it, yeah, I okay. would bet Auburn. Um, just because, not because I don't trust our offense. That has nothing to do with our team. It's just, it's hard to look at an SEC game against a team who you never beat by more than ten and say they're going to do it this year. It, it's it, fair. You know what I mean? Yeah. Especially against that twenty, like when you look at back at the twenty nineteen year. And that was the best offense in college football history, and we only won the game by, like, three points. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so, my question to you. Um, we we talked about Malik Neighbors and BT, who I have compared to... BT Cruiser. BT Cruiser, indeed. Um, who have I compared to um, Debo, Samuel, and T. Higgins as their NFL comps? You um, never said that publicly on the pod, by the well, way. Well, I just did. Um, Malik Neighbors, I think, is a D, uh, Debo Samuel-type player. Um and I think Brian Thomas is a very T. Higgins type player. Um, that's just how I feel about when I watch them. That's who I think of. So, LSU has had plenty of good receivers in the past. OBJ, Jarvis, Jettas, Jamar Chase, Kayshawn Bouti, uh, Terrace Marshall, DJ Chark, uh, Brandon LaFell, Russell Gage, Ruben Randall. Those are the guys in the past. Devery. Devery. Well, I... Let me finish my thought. That was the, those are the guys in the past 15 years. Okay. So how long I've been watching the Tigers. Those are the guys I remember being like big time guys for us. Um, and they all got drafted into the NFL. Um, some of them better than others, but still. Of that list, so of of those like 9 to 10 guys, where do you rank Malik Neighbors and Brian Thomas amongst those guys? So, personally, well, as college as college football players or as NFL not, You don't have to project, okay, they're going to be like... Have a better career than Yeah, OBJ no, no, no. They're not going to be a top 15, top okay. 10 NFL wide receiver. As an LSU football player, how do you rank Malik Neighbors and Brian Thomas? Okay. Um. So, personally, I got a chance to play against Jamar Chase as a high schooler. Yeah, you did. Um. Therefore, while he was at LSU, I was a non-believer. Because we have a guy on our team that was 5'6", 150 pounds soaking wet or so, Mm -hmm. and shut down Jamar to two catches. One was the jump ball in the back of the end zone. Can't do nothing about that at 5'6". Yeah. But for the whole game, you had two catches. Um, So I was not a fan of Jamar when he was at LSU until the championship year, pretty much. Yeah. So I have where he won the Blitnikoff, no big deal. Yeah. <laughs> um so as college players, I would probably go OBJ Jarvis. OBJ Jarvis. Jettas Chase. Jettas BT Chase. Wow. I was not expecting you to say BT Cruiser better than Jamar Chase. BT Chase neighbors Kayshawn, the rest of the okay, cool. great role players that we have. Um, so you you had two of them in the top six. You had both of them in the top six. Oh, definitely. I BT think, and I think he's ahead of. They're both ahead of Kayshawn as mm-hmm. in their development. 
And then the other guys were really just very, very good role players. And that's what they were at the time because we had such great uh, offensive line and running back play. And so they didn't have to go out there and win the ball every time. I mean, I know that OBJ and Jarvis did it with Jeremy Hill crushing things. Yeah. But that was just one of the most electric offenses ever. Yeah. I mean, OBJ and Jarvis on the same team was unfair. Jettas and Jamar Chase on the same team were unfair. Um, but neighbors and BT Cruiser have proven to be unfair. I was about to say, 49 proven, points back-to-back weeks. And not only that, but one of them leads in touchdowns to the other second in yards. Yes. So it's not like one's carrying All of the college other. football, not just SEC, not just group of four. Yeah, ex- exactly. Like, all of college football, you look at the landscape – and we've got the number two receiver in far, as far as yards and the guy who is catching the most touchdowns. Yes. That is unbelievable. Um, I would I would put – see, it's funny because you put Chase as your fifth. I was going to put him at number one because he won the Bolitnikoff. Like, that's that's all you have to do. Like, he had, like, national championship Jarvis year. Did he had, like, win the Bolitnikoff? I don't believe so. You can look it up. Look it up. But um, Jamar had, like, 1,900 yards and, like, 19 touchdowns national championship year um ridiculous um but i would for me you know how much of a brian thomas fan i am and i have been for an absurd amount of time like people didn't know brian thomas was alive and i was a fan of oh him. you've bought me in ever since the end of last year i'm bought in thank you bt cruiser for life bt cruiser for life i think I think right now we're taking him for granted but we're gonna look back and be like man how reliable was brian thomas if no one else was there for us, Brian Thomas was there for us. Um, so I, I absolutely love him. I wouldn't put him or Malik above the top four guys, OBJ, Jarvis, Jettis, and Chase. But they slide in at five and six for me. Um, Brian Thomas over Malik because of his consistency. Um, but that's I, I think in my lifetime, they're both top six receivers in the history of LSU. So... You claimed to be LSU trivia guy earlier today. I did. So there has been two winners in LSU history, Jamar Chase at in 2019. Mm-hmm. And then another LSU receiver in 2001. Do you want to name him? Josh Reed? Yes. Thought so. That's why I said in my life, like, since I've been watching LSU. Because yeah. like, I wasn't going to put early Doucette in there. I wasn't going to put Josh Reed in there. I wasn't going to put Devery. Dwayne Bow in there. I wasn't going to put Devery Henderson in there because I had I didn't watch those guys at LSU. That's fair. People who I've watched, but boy, does the Devery highlights make you feel good. Oh, Bluegrass <laughs> Miracle. Oh, boy, it gets me every time. But, um, yeah, that's how we feel about LSU's receiving core. Uh, we're halfway into this pod already, and we haven't even talked about other things. So go ahead and give me your question. You've been hyping it up since yesterday. What do you want to know about my LSU Tigers? So, me and you watched Brian Kelly mm-hmm. press conference yesterday, right? Yes, we did. So, from the opening speech, my first thought was, is Brian Kelly convinced this team cannot be great? Oh, ah, that is not where I thought we were going with this. Um, I think he's convinced that our defense doesn't have it. I don't... The way he talked about Jaden Daniels in that interview proved to me he's gotten closer to him because Brian Kelly used to blame everything on Jaden Daniels going back to the Florida State game he did it just earlier this season like he he, it it publicly felt like Brian Kelly had no faith in Jaden Daniels and then in that press conference yesterday when he was talking about Jaden he used numerous adjectives that nobody can say he doesn't like Jaden like he you could tell he put every bit of trust into him and he's reciprocating on that so I don't think he has a problem with the offense. Um, he also talked about you know how how good he felt about DJ Chester at center, and how good the offensive line was at you know making up for lost time. And Emory ends up winning the offensive uh, lineman of the week, and he talked about that. So I don't think it's his defense that he doesn't have trust in. I mean, his offense that he doesn't have trust in. It is the defense. I think he's convinced that this defense cannot do it. If that like if that answers your question. Because every time he talks about the defense, he seems so unsure. He's like, yeah, Whit Weeks is still learning, and we think we figured out Harold Perkins, and our DBs have to do better, and like all that. But when he's talking about the offense, he's glowing. So for me, I think he's just not... I, I, I would be surprised if we have the same defensive coaching staff going into next season that we do this year. 
um, just because of how little it seems Brian Kelly trusts them and how the fans trust them right now. I agree, Dut. And also, that go Tigers, thing. Matthew. Thank you. Go yeah. Tigers, indeed. I don't like how BK throws players under the bus. And it feels like, nasty. Yeah. He... But one good side about the press conference this week was that he enjoyed having wet weeks out there. Like we've been <laughs> so did screaming we. from the rooftops for we three weeks now. Loved having wet weeks um, out there. He talked about uh, he talked about finding a spot for Harold Perkins finally, um, and then him being so juiced after the uh, Missouri win. And him like screaming for Perk to come give him a hug and everything. It's yeah, like, and he, that's the great side of BK. And then whenever things are down and we're not winning games, you get a little bit of jab every once in a while. And he, I'm not. He does feel like that tough love, but gonna love you anyway kind of guy. But I also don't think. Now this is getting this is getting too big brain. I don't <laughs> is this like gonna be if, an LSU only pod. <laughs> yeah, it feels like it. Um, it feels like he doesn't have the emotional intelligence sometimes, which is you know. I mean, listen, I sound like a nerd right now using my grad school terms, but I mean, yeah, um, like it just feels like he he pumps guys up when they need to be pumped, but also when your defense is playing so bad, you don't keep dragging them down. Yeah, I, I mean, think I talked about this last week. It's it's that he's not separating the coach in the locker room from the coach to the media. Yeah, because like in high school, I had a tough love coaching Bill Stubbs. <laughs> Some would say, and so like. I get, I get him saying that to like to the player's face, but saying that in media is just different. I don't, yeah, I'm not in love with that. Yeah, it doesn't feel like he has 100 percent trust in his guys. Which you know, you're now listen. Is this what the year that everybody wanted or expected out of LSU? No, but you're a four and two SEC West team who plays one of the hardest schedules in America. Your offense is one of the best in the nation, and you're. You've got the number one recruit in the 2025 class coming to town this weekend. Like, it's not like you're at some scrub school. You're on the national media. I think, for me, you have to, like, he has to understand his position. And also, I don't know if he's ever been around fans who care as much about their team as LSU has. Yeah, I don't know how many random college students, guy who didn't even go to LSU, guy who didn't even go to Notre Dame people there are. Like, yeah. Notre Dame is just a different feel, a different. They world. love football. They, they love do. football, but I don't think that they're passionate. They're not the way LSU Louisiana football. is. No. And um, so, like, the fact that there's so many podcasts that are just sitting here talking about LSU football and talking about the Saints and stuff like that is, I don't think Brian Kelly is prepared for that. Yeah. He hadn't thought about that far. No, especially when people at halftime of Florida State when we were up 17 to 14 were already calling for his head. But that's a story for another day. We've talked about LSU for 35 minutes here. We've got to get on to our boys. Good thing we don't have any notes on the Saints and just going <laughs> off the dome, baby. <laughs> hey, that's what we're here for. Rebo Hustle and Redfish going off the dome. Um, Saints win 34 nothing in Foxborough. I mean, defense gets a shutout, causes three turnovers, plus a turnover on downs. Um, Alvin Kamara comes back, rushes for 80-something yards and a touchdown. I mean, there's not much to really, like, complain about as far as the end result goes. Yeah. Like, I mean, there's results. Win, built. Yeah, yeah results. you win 34 nothing. Was it the cleanest game of all time? No, and we're going to talk about that. But, I mean, you. It's not like I can sit here and be mad because we won by thirty-four points. Oh yeah, like like it's definitely a step in the right direction. Um, I think the defense played lights out as usual. We talked about last week. If you can score twenty points as the Saints, you're winning the game. And and we did that at halftime. We could have scored one point and won the game this time, and that's not even possible. But but yeah, like like that's the point. Is like I saw we were up twenty-one nothing at halftime. I said we won the game. Yeah, I mean. I wasn't guaranteed. I wasn't convinced that our offense could score much more, but there was no way our defense was allowing twenty-one points. Um, I mean, no team is ever perfect, but that's about as close to perfect as you're going to get from a defense. Um, you know, they ended up benching Mac Jones again at some point during the game, and Bailey Zappi came in, and he still played terrible. Um, so the Patriots look to be in you know quarterback purgatory at this point. So you know, we're not going to sit here and say they shut out the San Francisco 49ers or the Philadelphia Eagles, but yeah. it's the NFL. 
and you shut out another team. So that is something to be proud of, like Montgomery Gentry said. <laughs> so my my gripe, because you know I've got to have one. You always you only Rebo, only right. Rebo. So opening drive, eight plays, nineteen yards, punt, fine. Mm-hmm. Patriots basically do the same thing. Three three plays, eight yards, punt. We get the ball back. Three plays, one yard, punt. Then we get the pick six. That's when the light turned on. Yeah. So are we going to have to get a big play out of the defense every week in order to turn the lights on? It's hard to argue that and say, no, we've got it, we've got it. But also, you know, the offense hasn't been great this year. I think other than this game, the most points we scored were like 20. Um, Because, I mean, week one we scored 16. Panthers we scored 20. I think we scored 18 against the Packers, and then last week scored nine. So, yeah, I mean, we we haven't even scored more than 20 points um, until this week. So it's not like we have a great offense. But this week they did get better. Um, you can't say they did I mean, you can say they didn't because you probably will. No, they, they got better. It's just we, didn't, we never saw a 20-yard line, like an 80-yard drive. Our right. longest you, drive of the week. Can you see? Yeah. What, Our longest drive of the week's. 61 yards, by far the longest drive of the week. The, the closest, the next closest, 40, because the defense has got us into great positions. Yeah. Um, another thing that I kind of thought was unacceptable, first drive of the second half, Cam Jordan strip sack, recovers a fumble. Um, I don't know what challenge you're talking about. I, Dustin, I'm so sorry, but I didn't see it. Um, I didn't get to start watching till the, the game until, like, the start or right after the start of the second quarter and then I didn't watch the fourth quarter at all. I watched um, the full so. game but I was definitely ADD watching because I had red zone on my computer the game on the big screen um, but back to my point Cam Jordan strip sack at the 36 yard line or something like that we three and out kick a field goal. Yeah. That's I'd, kind of unacceptable in my opinion because you put the nail in the coffin you go up 28 nothing it's done. Yeah no I'm I'm with you like this offense isn't perfect yet, obviously. Like, and we had a pick six, and the defense gave us the ball three times. Um, so, it's not like the offense scored thirty-four points on their own on, you know, seven or six methodical drives. Like, it's not like we went out there, got a kickoff seventy-five yards down the field, scored a touchdown. We never did that. Yeah. So you've got that point. Um, however, I think we looked better, just eye test wise, in my opinion. I think Carr looked a lot healthier than he did against the Buccaneers. Something I saw a lot on both the X and on Facebook is we are finally using motion in our offense, which is something people brought up to Pete Carmichael after the Buccaneers loss, um, is that like you have Rashid Shahid, who's electric, super fast player. You have Chris Olave, who's great in every level of the passing game, short, intermediate, and deep. You have three tight ends who can both block and pass catches, and you bring in Alvin Kamara back, and you're not utilizing them in a motion or anything to throw off the defense. You're just going out there in a base set, faking the, like, you know, going on a two count and then snapping the ball. Like, that's that's basically what we were doing for four weeks, and it just wasn't working. So I think he's, you know, he's starting to, he's starting to, you know, branch out on his own and stop being Sean Payton's little minion. Um, hopefully he can continue that and we can continue to evolve and, you know, make the right decisions. I still don't love the play calling in general. I think sometimes it, it doesn't make sense to me. Um, for example, I was watching, you know, when I was watching the third quarter, there was a couple times where it's like we run the ball in first and second down and it's third and short. For me, I would love a little short play action pass, a little out route or a zig or a drag, something, you know, you, you're getting close, you're running, you're running, you're running. Let them bite and then throw something short on a play action. See if you can take off down the field if they're playing off on you. Um, or even utilize screen passes. It's something the Saints have done for years. and it, we all, like we, It's not like we don't have the guys to do it. Haven't done since Sean Payton left. Yeah, I mean, Alvin Kamara is one of the best ball-catching running backs there is. And then Kendra Miller looked fantastic uh, this past weekend. I mean... It was his first real healthy game where he had somebody to balance him out, and he looked great. Um, so the play calling still iffy, to say the least. However, K- 
can't complain about winning 34 to nothing. So we are being nitpicky, but when you're playing a team like the Eagles or you're playing a team like the 49ers or, you know, just one of those teams who you know is going to put up points, this this offense cannot keep up with them. Yeah, I think Pete Carmichael has figured out how to um, use Taysom correctly finally. Like, I, I wasn't like, why are we doing this now as I normally am? Um, but I don't know if it was this week or last week's press conference with Alvin Camaro where he said that he went up to Pete Carmichael and was like, hey, Mike Thomas likes these plays. Hey, uh, the offensive line loves when we run this. Like, you shouldn't have to say that to your offensive coordinator. They should know. Yeah, I mean, that should be like a Tuesday through Friday install thing. Like when you're installing plays throughout the week and you're watching film and you're doing two a days and you you know you have your guys in the facility, that should be when you figure out who likes what during the during the during the game. Tell me, what was Michael Thomas known known as? His, slant boy. Yeah. When when have we ran a slant for Michael Thomas? He caught two slants this week because of Alvin Kamara telling Pete Carmichael that's what he that, likes. Not only that, but when he was getting 149 receptions in one year. I think like 56 of them were yeah. slants. You At do least. 56 divided by 16, it's definitely more than two. Yeah. I'll tell you that much. Um, and for Alvin Kamara to have to tell the offensive coordinator that, hey, this guy that broke the reception record on a majority of slants likes it when you call it slants because in weeks past, it's been like three yard outs for Mike Thomas. Yeah, which is not necessarily the Michael Thomas specialty. Which is not necessarily any wide receiver specialty because no that's like one of the worst passes to throw as a quarterback and not only that but if you're gonna do that you do it with a guy who has quick route running or has the speed to run away real quick yeah um and michael thomas is not a quick route runner and he's not a speedy great hands he's a he's a physical receiver he's got great hands and he's great in between the numbers yep um my last point about the offense before we you know continue on to this next game um Last point about the offense is that Chris Olave is not being utilized the way he needs to be. Tell me about it. You traded him to me in fantasy football, and we got a total of 9.8 points in the last three weeks. And two point two weeks, my bad. Yeah, I mean, he did get a touchdown that saved his fantasy. He, yeah. That saved his fantasy week for sure, but he had two catches for 12 yards. Um, he was nursing a semi-injury um, before the game like they were checking out his foot so apparently he had some kind of thing going on um but it, it's still like we're not running we're not scheming Chris Olave open which is what you you should do when you have a guy who can make stuff happen after the catch like he can he can do some big things with the ball in his hands and yet we're not creating opportunity for him to do that I think that's something Pete Carmichael can definitely work on, and that's something, you know, he's been taking a lot of responsibility on himself of, like, he needs to do a better job, which he does. Um, but if you can scheme Chris Olave to get the ball in his hands, scheme Rashid Shahid to get the ball in the hands, just to see what they can do in space, that's where we're going to find our click, I think. That's what, another, like, another problem that I've had uh, in the past three years with the Saints offense is we can't just get our playmakers the ball. Right. Like they have to run eighty yards downfield, and we got to take a shot in order to try to get them the ball. And like that's, you don't see Cooper Cup doing that every play. No, you don't see any uh, like Stephon Diggs doing that every play. No, it's you got to get your playmakers the ball in space, whether it's behind the line of scrimmage, whether it's three yards in front of the line of scrimmage, whether it's just for a first down. It doesn't have to be a home run shot every time. Right, because we're not questioning our talent. We know we have talent on the offensive side of the ball. Nobody can debate that. When you have the second highest paid running back per year in the league, and he's, while he's not necessarily the second best running back in the league, he he deserves some money. He's he's very good, as we saw when he came back this week. You got Chris Olave, who was, you know, doesn't get hurt, rookie of the year probably, had better numbers than Garrett Wilson did last year. You've got Michael Thomas, who just four years ago set the record for receptions in a season. Rashid Shahid, who nationwide people know he's a great, fast, young, quick player um, who can also do it in the return game. Like, there's no doubt we have talent. It's how are we utilizing that talent, and do we have the people in place to make sure our resources are being used well? 
Agreed. Um, so that being said, let's move on, on from to the Patriots game. Bryce's Houston Texans. We are playing the Houston Texans this weekend, and it, it scares me. I will be honest. I feel like it's a trap game. We've got momentum, and I don't know how much I love it. I don't um, think it's a trap game. Uh, it's more yeah, of like a... Because the line is one and a half. Yeah, it's, the line's um, one and a half. Houston has given themselves an identity uh, from the first couple weeks of the season. Um, we know that they passed the ball really well. We know that if that's not working, they can figure out some way to run the ball. Um, we also know that their defense isn't very hot. Like, it's good, but it's not... Right, so Texans just lost on a last-second play to the Falcons last week. Uh, lost 21-19. to 19. C.J. Stroud did everything he did to win them that game. Two-minute drive, led them down the field, scored a touchdown. Like, what else do you want from a rookie quarterback? Um, some stats on C.J. Stroud, just because I was right. Uh, <laughs> 1,461 yards, seven touchdowns, no picks for C.J. Stroud. One for one, uh, 114 for 186 passing. Like, you cannot ask a rookie quarterback to play any better than C.J. Stroud's playing right now, and it's not like the Saints' defense is going to go out there and completely shut him down. Like, he's going to have his plays. We played them in the preseason, um, so we know what they look like a little bit, but it's not like all your starters are playing in preseason. Um, Our preseason game may have made them better because correct. Kenyon Green got put on the IR. This man. Because he got put in a washer machine by the one, the only, Brian Brzee. The fact that Brian Brzee went against Kenyon Green and won is the worst, the number one worst thing that could have ever happened for your ego. Um, You've never loved a man as much as you love Brian Brzee, and you've never hated a man as much as you hate Kenyon Green. So the fact that that happened in real life, um, I still I've never been it. happier. I know. I know. I've never seen you. So, I, that he put him in a I blender. Was, dude, I was in <laughs> your wedding and you weren't that happy that day. Like, this is, it, it's plum ridiculous. But, he put him in a blender and put him on IR. Yeah. Uh, however, we're going up to Houston Texans this weekend. You know, they've got a decent offense and a decent defense. We've got a very good defense and a questionable offense. How do you think we match up and do you think the Saints win two weeks in a row? Well, I think it's completely unacceptable if the offense can't continue rolling, uh, keeping the ball rolling because personally with a hurt Derek Stingley and a questionable middle of the field. Like, I think they're starting Mike linebacker is Henry Toto, the rookie. Yeah. And he was not an All-American at, at Bama. Um, mind you, yeah. he's good. Yeah. He's been very, very serviceable, but I don't think that against uh, offense that has this amount of potential for firepower, Henry Toto can shut us down. Yeah. So, so what's your... What do you say? I, I need you to say first no. so I can go one higher again. Okay, okay, um, cool. No, uh, give me give me 17 Houston Texans. Give me 24 Saints. Okay, that's a good score. Um, So, you know, looking at the injuries, um, we, we do have, you know, Andres Pete, who's always questionable, and Glass I think Holmes. James Hurst is also questionable. Um. Cesar came back last week, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, and he played well. Um, oh yeah, I remember the visor. Our defense seems to be holding up very well. Uh, Marcus May is coming back this week, which, in my opinion, I don't know if you take Jordan Howden completely out of the lineup. He's played very well for us, in my opinion. Um, Marcus May is a very good player, though. So I think the defense is only getting stronger. Offense, as long as we can stray away from injuries on the O line. Um, I think we'll, you know, we'll stay steady there. Uh, for Houston, injury-wise, Tank Dell looks like he's not going to be playing this week. Um, and Christian Harris, their linebacker, also looks like he's questionable. So, one more positive from last week. What's up? We got Paulson Adebo back. Yeah, we did. And, and he boy, played he look good. great. Our DBs, every single one of them looked good. Every single one of them. Um, that being said, you know, with, with us not being the most hurt team in the NFL for once... Um, and them taking a playmaker away in Tank Dell, who's probably not going to be playing against the Saints, which is actually very good for us, in my opinion. 
Um, it's always the second best receiver that gives us trouble. It feels like I don't know why, but it always does. Because when you have arguably top two cornerback in the league and Marshawn, and Marshawn. They, they're going to target number two 14 times. Um, yeah, but yeah, and I think and also Tank Dell being rookie and fast has always been the recipe for torching the Saints. Torching the Saints. Um, so for me, you look at the matchup and you're like. It's a very good defense versus uh, better than average offense. And then I would say the offense and defense of, you know, the Saints versus the Texans are both kind of average. Um, I'm going to go ahead and take the home team, which is not the Saints. I think we're going to unfortunately drop this one. Um, very close game, though. I'll take the Texans 24, Saints 22. That is the most blasphemous thing that has ever happened. You're right. I'm not, that. I'm not doing podcast. that. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing it. I was kidding. I was kidding. I wanted to see a reaction. You did exactly what I thought you were going to do. I'm not going to pick against us until we're uh, like six games below 500. Um, Agreed. I I love CJ Stroud. I do. I almost spiked this, the microphone. I know. Uh, I was really hoping you'd get like really mad. <laughs> um, but no, um, I love CJ Stroud, but this is going to be the best defense he's played all season. We're going to give him the most trouble he's had yet um and i think if there's any time for a rookie to make a mistake it's against the new orleans saints we're gonna win the game it's gonna be a low scorer as per usual i'll take the saints to score 20 points and the texans to score 10 points hot take here it is this week this week cj shroud uh-huh throws his first pick throws his first pick i'm about it maybe even two. Oh. I wouldn't love that for my C.J. Stroud stock, but I'll take it. Um, I hope that Texans, me picking the Texans to win doesn't get clipped because I was kidding. I pray it does. A lot will do it. I already know it. Shout out Clown Car. P-Rax, get on it. No, P-Rax doesn't even watch this show. Uh, (laughs) So we both got the Saints winning. Uh, We both got LSU winning. Let's talk about our bets quick before we move on to the Fantasy Five. Uh, We both did very only five. Yeah. um, (laughs) Last week, we we both did terrible. Hence Um, the absence of the belt. Yeah, we, we there's no point in even giving us the belt at this point. Um, I went over four. Don't even don't even want to talk about it. I went two for four. Um, I missed. H- how do you miss four legs? How do you bet four legs and miss all four of them? Uh, oh, I lied. I went one for four. Oh wow! My Texans did cover plus two and a half because they lost by two. Um, lost on the Commanders. They got blown out by twenty. Lost on Washington State. Lost by like fourteen. Um, lost in Kentucky. They got blown out because Georgia finally figured it out. But my Texans did cover. So I went one for four. I went two for four. Washington State got blown out. We talked about that just now. Uh, Notre Dame did win by a touchdown. And the Cardinals got blown out. But the Colts did win. So, moving on to this week. Um, going to keep the same formula. Four-leg parlay. Bet them single if you can. If not, get better odds this way. So, uh, here's here's what I'm thinking. I got two NFL and two college like I normally do. Um, and here's the routes I went on. So first, I've got the 49ers minus 5.5 against the Cleveland Browns. Um, for me, that feels like free money, which is never good in yeah, I didn't betting. see that. I'm glad I didn't. Um, why? Because you bet it. Oh, that makes sense. Uh, but yeah, the, I, the, I don't understand why the line's so low in that. 49ers just beat the snot out of the Cowboys, who are a better team than the Browns in my opinion. And also the Browns are probably going to be without Deshaun again. Um, which means that offense is not going to be able to move the ball. The 49ers should score easily. We love you too, Mustang. Oh, Mustang. Shout out, shout out for the the working room man, that the working we're, uh, yeah. Shout out for the room that we're um, filming in. Shout out to the, the working man, the blue collar. Um, blue collar worker that we have in Mustang. So first leg I got, 49ers minus five and a half. Don't have to talk about that one anymore. Makes sense. Uh, I've got the Las Vegas Raiders versus the New England Patriots. Give me the Raiders minus three and a half. Um, played the Packers last night. I thought about he- taking that one. See, here's the math I did. Raiders beat the Packers last night. Packers beat the Saints. Saints beat the Patriots. Therefore, Raiders beat the Patriots. Wow. Raiders minus three and a half. Uh, moving on to the college realm, I have UNC. Hey, by the way. That's terrible math for betting, but keep going. No, no, no. It's the worst. It's <laughs> Without a doubt, the Patriots are winning because I said that. Um, moving on to UNC versus Miami. UNC minus three and a half is where I've got that one. Um, the coaching Miami is just terrible. They're going to make a bad decision, and UNC is going to win. And also, UNC is one of only, I think, 
nine unbeaten teams left in the FBS. Um, they're playing elite. They have the guy who's tied for second for Heisman with Jaden Daniels and Drake May, and he's playing great. Um, so that's where I'm going to go with that one. And then lastly, have another three-and-a-half favorite in Duke over NC State. Uh, in-state rivalry, it's going to be a close game, but I think Duke can take minus three-and-a-half. Uh, as a newly beloved Duke fan, due to me living on their campus for a month, um, I will take Duke. So, I'm just glad that we have four different bets. Oh, that's wonderful. Uh, Four-leg parlay, Duke minus three-and-a-half, UNC minus three-and-a-half, Raiders minus three-and-a-half, 49ers minus five-and-a-half, all favorites to get a four-leg parlay at plus 12.08. Where are we going, Rebo? Ooh, I've got better odds. Of course you do. All right, so I've got Tulane minus four-and-a-half against Memphis. Okay. We know Tulane's got some firepower. Um, then I... Shout-out to... I decided to take probably the best game in college football next week. Which is? Washington versus Oregon. I was steering away from that game. I couldn't do it to myself. You convinced me that Washington is the best team in college football. Wow. It was a joke. Therefore, I think Oregon's frauds. <laughs> frauds, you say? I think they're frauds with a 80-year-old quarterback. Um, He's not 80. He's 78, okay? He graduated the year before me, and I am three years removed right from college. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Bo um, Nix, man. So no. I've got Washington minus two and a half. Then I did bet on our New Orleans Saints to cover yeah, you did. minus one and a half. Yeah, you did. And then I have my road dog of the week. Road dog. Here we go. Uh, the Seattle Seahawks go into Cincy. At least cover, but I think they win. Plus two and a half. You don't think you don't think the Burrow Chase connection figured it out? I think they played against one of the most abysmal secondaries. Whoa, 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 whoa. Cardinals are good this year, man. Yeah, but we just established you couldn't name a single person in their secondary because Buda nope. Baker's hurt. Not a single one. And uh, I lied. Marco Wilson. Marco Wilson. Yep, shout out Marco Wilson. He's the one who threw the shoe against the LSU when uh, Cole Tracy or Cade York hit that field goal 56 yards in the fog. That sounds like a great Boom. player to me. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, I think that – I don't think that what since he did last week was fraudulent. I just think that it's going to be hard to reproduce against a team that is at a higher caliber caliber of talent than the Cardinals. And all of Jamar Chase's catches were like he was – no one was 20 yards close to it. Also, Seahawks coming off a bye – Getting healthy. Oh, yeah. They have way more offensive firepower than the Cardinals do, so it'll be more of a shootout. Gotta, we'll see where it goes. Um, yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't bet any of these. These are all spicy. But They're spicy to say the least. It's got some great odds at uh, plus 1,223. Oh, so you, they're plus 15 higher than mine, which in betting is absolutely nothing. Thanks, Reese. If you bet $10, dollar fifty more. I hate this guy. Uh, Michael Penix, indeed. Uh, uh, he has played very special. He has been a, a special, special player. Um, when we get closer to draft season, we talk about NFL. Um, I'll give my thoughts on Michael Penix. But, yeah, he, he's he's a great college quarterback right now for Washington. Um, so, you know, we're right here at the hour mark. Let's go ahead and finish this up with some fantasy football. And, boy, oh, boy, was it a fun one. For the rhythm and blues. Yeah, we had we had a tough week. We did pull out the victory though, but we did have to wait till Monday night was over. Um, it was a real we really weird day in Carolina. They did not rely on Miles Sanders for much. No. Um, but boy, did we have the top two tight ends in yeah in the NFL this week. Yeah, I mean, who scored on the same exact play? Same exact play. The NFL posted it all over that the 49ers ran the same trick play as the Lions did earlier in the day, and Laporta scored on one, Kittle scored on the other, and we got the points for both of them. Um, so we ended up pulling out the win. And you know what's funny? We say, oh, man, it was a tough day. It was, it was you know, sketchy. Um, we scored the third most points in the league. Um, we're 4-1. and one. We played against good competition. No, we did. The Rhythm and Blues are 4-1. and one. Uh, Played against, you know, a team who was 3-1 and one. at the same time we were 3-1. and one. Yeah. Um. Jared Goff had a fantastic day, and we have that Goff and Laporta stack, so we get all of those points, which 
combined this week was 57. Can't complain about 57 points between uh, your quarterback tight and tight quarterback. end. Um, you know, Miles Sanders did have a bad day. If you tell me Carolina scores 24 points in a week and Miles Sanders gets none of those, I'm very upset. Um, he only got 3.2 fantasy points. Like but 40 yards rushing in a fumble or something like that. 32 yards in a fumble, yeah. And, but uh, we did get balanced out with Josh Jacobs scoring 28 fantasy points last night and Amen. both of our receivers scoring 18 points. Um, Jordan Addison filling in for Keenan Allen, who usually is our starter. On a bye week, Addison comes in, gets six receptions, including a touchdown. So Mark Ch- Justin Jefferson, who we were playing against, pulls gets a hammy in the middle of the game. Which he's really, on IR now. Really ramps up the fact that we had Addison and... Yeah. So that was clutch for us. Terrible for Jettis, of course. But yeah, it sucks. But it it helped us win. So I guess we gotta gotta keep tunnel vision when take it comes it how to they that. come. Take it how they come. Um. So rhythm and blues are looking great. Um. We are you know we have been looking to make trades. We but, are uh, looking to make a trade at the moment. Nobody. Little Dutman. Little Dutman and Mustang, Mustang have and decided to say no. Both of them. So we're, we're talking to Soundman. Hopefully, Soundman can get back to us. Um. But yeah, you know, we feel like we're just one move away from being a real, real shot at winning it all. Um, if you look at the standings, we are technically number one right now, um, because of the three, four, and one teams we scored the most points out of all of them. Um, so, I mean, it feels we're good. definitely in a better spot than we were last year. Yeah, without last a doubt. year we were pulling our hair out every week, every week trying to figure out who to play. We could have squeaked into the playoffs if we had the rules that we have now. Yeah, but. It but, is how they know, are. but this year, you know, we feel good. I mean, we have we what we wanted to do coming into the season is exactly what we have on our team right now. We wanted two receivers who we knew would be consistent top fifteen guys. Yeah. Two top fifteen guys, which we have in Keenan Allen and AJ Brown. We wanted a star running back and a guy who could compliment him, which we have. We have, you know, a consistent quarterback, not one who's gonna, you know, blow you out of the water, but not one who's gonna tank the week and luckily Jared Goff has had more of those blow out the water games um, than he has of the you know the bad games and we even have Geno Smith who kind of does the same thing um, and then our biggest surprise this season Sam Laporta found um, him on waivers found him on waivers thanks John can't believe John dropped him um, so we are we're riding high in uh, league of record with rhythm and blues I'm very very happy with what we're doing um Unfortunately, um, our, our friends here are not doing so great. Um, the lettuce are two and three, but you know pulled out a win this week against an zero and five team. So and a baby Mustang, and a baby Mustang to the chip, to the chip, baby. And then uh, the Keep Buffalo Soldiers, also two and three. And um, unfortunately, um, for the Buffalo Soldiers, um, his best, one of his best players is also going to miss a few weeks with uh, Devon A. Chan. Um, probably going to be out for the next two to three weeks so i'm pretty sure he has james connor who's also hurt <laughs> yeah he has james connor and devon achan uh who both played for him last week and both of them are now out for the foreseeable future however he also had jamar chase and lost which is tough when jamar chase scores 54 points um however it's kind of hard to win when you're going against a team who had dj moore and josh allen this week uh, yeah. So, not great for the Buffalo Soldiers. Um, however, keep that tunnel vision. Rhythm and Blues are rolling. Um, man, what a what a good weekend it was for us, huh? LSU wins. Saints win. Rhythm and Blues win. Can't ask for more. We both won in our Dynasty League. Yep. So, I mean, we just had a great weekend. Um, hopefully, this weekend can match up it. You know? We'll take it. I, I sure hope so. Um, and what a great pod this was. What a great time we had. Talked a lot about LSU football, which we we're both very passionate about. We're right on time, too. Yeah, I mean, hour and three minutes. Hey, gotta love it. Um, had a great time talking with you, my boy Rebo. Any last com? Any last comments for the the Potters out here? All I can say is the last time we saw Brian Brzee play the Texans, put somebody on IR. And with that note, we are gonna get out of here. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for following us on our socials, checking in on YouTube, uh, off the underscore dome pod on X. Make sure to go check it out. That's where we post, you know, when we're coming on live and. Um, for the foreseeable future, that'll be Tuesdays at 7 p.m. So if you're watching right now and you want to know when to find us, every Tuesday, 7 p.m., live on Off the Dome Sports Podcast YouTube. Um, we also go on Spotify an hour after the show ends. So if you miss it and you want to go back and listen to it, go ahead and listen to us on Spotify, uh, Off the Dome Sports Podcast. And, of course, follow all the socials for the No Network, K-N-E-A-U-X, the only, only way, way to spell it. it. 
be in the know. Um, shout out to all the guys over there. We love being a part of the network. We love working with them, and they do a lot of cool stuff, random giveaways all the time, so you can follow them and get into those. Um, now with Pelican season ramping up, we'll start talking about them very soon, um, and tons of guys over First at the know. games tonight, right? Yeah, I think it's on right now. Yeah. Um, so tons of guys over in the know network talk about the Saints, LSU, the Pelicans, Tulane, Tulane with Dave um, and Patty. So I mean, we and the new podcast is former Tulane yeah, players, right? Yeah, uh, talk that talking that yeah with uh, Nick Anderson, um, who played for the Saints in the preseason. So he's got a cool New Orleans connection. So I mean, we've got so much cool stuff going on. We're we love doing this, um, even though it's a little once a week thing. It, it couldn't be much cooler than it is right now. Um, so thank you so much for listening in, whether you're on Spotify or YouTube. This has been the Off the Known Sports Podcast. I am Redfish. I'm Rebo Hustle. And we will see you next time.